And here we go, Northeast Podcast. We have a great episode for you guys, lots of news. We break down who's the current title holder between His Dark Materials and Mandalorian. Two incredible shows before starting our newest segment, Die Hard Rewatch with a Vengeance. Here we go, Northeast Podcast. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan. Jim, how are you guys doing? Doing well, my friend. I'm great, man. How are you? I am doing wonderful. We are heading into December. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner. The holiday season is almost here. And there's still no snow on the ground, which is really nice. I do appreciate that part. I am not one of those people who are like, oh my gosh, I just wish there would be snow. Or like, if it's going to be cold, it might as well be at least snowy and pretty. Ugh, no. Like, Snow is horrible. It's the snow that pisses me off more than the cold. I got to deal with the, the snow. The only people that say that are the ones that don't have to shovel it. Oh my God, you're right. Wow, that I changes everything. Rather that it was like negative twenty every day than had snow all over the place that I had to like plow and shovel. Okay, agree. Okay, so we have an action-packed episode. All kinds of new things. Before we do that, we have some old things to cover, and that is. Why do you follow us on social media yet? You guys need to give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordeast Podcast. It is so great, especially on Instagram, to follow us. So many fire memes. And also, people have been sending us really good stuff for us to post as well. So thank you. Also, share a Nordeast Podcast post on your Instagram this week. We'd really appreciate it. It'd be super helpful to us. And would also give you some street cred when you're trying to uh, get people to follow your stories. There you go. Um, also, uh, now would be a great time for you to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, uh, which is definitely us. If you're not subscribed already, get the Northeast podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else you got? That's it. I was just waiting oh, nice. to comment. I was hoping you guys would just... Remember when well, you-, you, sounded, you sounded like a teacher handing out homework, so I didn't want to interject. You know, <laughs> every time James would say just like a weird word, yeah, he'd be like, "Yeah, man." <laughs> <laughs> I can bring that back. All right, guys, so let's uh, dive into what beers we are drinking. So we are doing a disc cast since we are not together. Uh, what are you guys drinking over there? Okay, uh, sure, I'll go first. Okay, go oh. ahead. Oh God, we did the thing. We did the meeting thing, but that's okay. I'll go. Um, I'm drinking uh, Black Days. D-A-Z-E from Eastlake from the uh, Midtown Global Market. And this is their hazy IPA. And it is really good. Eastlake is like the most sleeper brewery that every time I've had something from there, I've been very impressed. So uh, shout out to Eastlake. I agree. Not well distributed, but well appreciated. How about that? Very much Um, Dude, I'm just, I'm an old school banger with this. We love Palais from Fair State. That's what I'm enjoying right now. The Polyali? The Polyali. I am drinking Black Stack's Little Spoon Cereal Milk Stout, which they call the adult beer, inspired by and infused with Reese's Puffs. This is uh, 6.8 and it contains milk sugar. Um, it is very sweet. But it is really delicious. That sounds thick. It smells um, very roasty, peanut roasty, kind of like, you know, 
our favorite peanut butter beer from uh, Dangerous Man. Uh, kind of has that smell to it, but it's very sweet with the milk sugar. Um, this would be such a great beer to share with a friend. Oh, I wish we like, were there. Well, you mean just one or both of us? I mean, it would just like, I just think this, I'm just trying to talk to, I'm, you guys realize I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for our listeners. This would oh. be the perfect beer for you to go get and share with another person. Two people drinking yep. one can would be an amazing amount of this little spoon. So it's delicious. Just know it's a very dessert-y beer. Okay. So here we go. We're going to dive into Do We Care? And uh, we're going to start with HBO Max is releasing a new documentary. It's a three-part uh, thing called Heaven's Gate. What is Heaven's Gate? Well, do you remember when everybody put on like the – we were – I mean, Eric, I'm looking at you. We yep. were um, – I'm going to say I was 10. I don't know how old I was, but I heard that a bunch of people put on like New Jordans, drank the Kool-Aid. Is that this one? And then they all got on, they thought they were getting on a comet to go become aliens in space. And this was literally like Heaven's Gate. I think that's this. I don't know if this is the Jim Jones one. And that's the thing. That's why I'm going to watch this because I don't know that much about this. But it's like the ultimate cult, man. When you think of a cult, this is the perfect example. Ryan, historian, what what was this one about? Do you remember these guys? Well, so it says... Um, October 1996. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go. The, 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 Jesus, the Wikipedia page is so long, I can't even imagine it. But um, I don't remember this cult um, specifically. Um, it looks like the, it went defunct in 97. And yeah, they, only had four, they only had 41 members. So it was a pretty small uh, group. Uh, the, the head guy was Marshall Applewhite, um, was okay. the founder. Well, uh, but yeah, everything you're saying sounds familiar. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna uh, uh, board the extraterrestrial spacecraft following the comet, the Haley Hale Bop. Hale Bop, apparently. Haley's Hale Bop. Remember that shit? No. Yeah. So I'm gonna watch this. I dig these. Like I've watched most of these cult documentaries. For me, it's more interesting than like the serial killer ones. For some reason, I, I gravitate more towards the cult ones. I think um, I'm definitely gonna knock this thing out. I think we should write our own cult um, movie. You know oh. how we writers room it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if I was gonna do it, it'd be like 2020. Um, let's see, the cult probably wouldn't believe anything. Well, like, is there is there some like let, while we're thinking about is there some sort of like a like political entity we could like draw inspiration from? Well, I like would something have, like that. It would be a group that like just didn't listen to any experts or any facts at all and right. like like science or anything like that you know what i mean education maybe they maybe they made their own social media because other ones were being too controlled so they wanted their own or they could say whatever they wanted call it like farley mm-hmm. yeah i like that um okay. and then this group would have they'd come up with just crazy um things to believe and then they would all believe it to a point where they were like almost violent about it like it could be like you know you take your favorite restaurant and that restaurant probably like selling children for sex out of a basement and it's run by like your political opponents i, I mean right. so it's the most common restaurant let's make it a pizza place <laughs> i think that would i think that would work perfectly yes, well, yes. i think that's very believable yeah, yeah i think that we're onto something Okay. Yeah, well, so then, and you just have to you just have to like build up the dogma enough 
that people will believe anything you say. And we have to have a very gregarious leader, like someone that, that can speak out of their ass, but they sound very convincing when they say it. And so that people will, will gravitate towards that because I don't know, they're like a, they seem like a really good deal maker or something like that. You know what I mean? Like someone that, someone that never loses. But how about this? Just to make it even funnier, they have to sit at the world's smallest desk. <laughs> Speaking of fire memes, that was that just was, a little little touch of irony there. I think would would go a long way with the viewership. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're on to something. We'll be working on this. I know it sounds really far fetched and not based in reality, but we'll 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 work on this. We'll workshop it. All right. Okay. Um, do we care? I probably care if Jimmy Channels tells me to. Agree. I'll watch it first. I'm happy to do it. I watched that whole Axiom thing. I mean, or Nexium. I'm down with all of it. Okay, next what up. What was the one? What was the sorry? What what was the the cult in Seattle with the 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 shaman uh, or whatever from sex cult? That one was fantastic. Where they took over the whole town. Something country, uh, wild wild country. That I mean, once again, that fell to the classic. First three episodes are absolute fire. Next three episodes are boring as shit. Yeah, but that happens all the time. All right. Um. So next up, Mads Mikkelsen is replacing Johnny Depp officially in the Harry Potter universe as Grindelwald. Do you guys like this move? It's a good move. I mean, it makes the move. It makes the whole movie maybe a little bit more typical, I guess. You know, when you're trying to make a serious movie in Hollywood with a big budget, you go and get Mads Mikkelsen to be your bad guy. So it's not exactly exciting to me, um, but it will be fine. We already wrote this way better to just bring back Colin Farrell, um, which is, I think, a much more unique choice for a villain. Uh, although maybe in the future it won't be since he's also going to be uh, Copper Pot or, you know, the Penguin in the Batman movie. So there may be a time that that isn't unique, but um, I, I, I like that already. So. I think that they tried to, to go outside of the box with Johnny Depp. And now they're saying, all right, we already took a swing at this. Now yeah. let's go to the safe choice. And I think the series will be better in the end. I think it will too. I want them to make one good one and then I'll, I'll care about any of it. Do we care? Yeah, I care. I, at this point, I mean, I'm still willing to give the benefit of the doubt to Harry Potter. For some reason, there's so many shitty Star Wars movies and everybody still is fully on board and is like, ah, well, it can't all be good. And then Harry Potter has like two bad movies and people are like, fuck the whole franchise, just end it. <laughs> well, this is a different franchise. If they made, like, if they had rebooted Star Wars and the first two had been absolutely fucking horrible, then I would, that's how people would feel about it. Harry Potter is 10 movies in, and I think they have eight really good movies. I don't consider these part of that. That's a perfect eight. Leave that alone. Don't drag that in here. Those, yeah, those Harry Potter movies are great. These Fantastic Beast movies are trash. Yeah, but, but like, I think, I think, I think Eric is saying in that universe. That's all. Yeah. I want to They're try Everyone wants a universe now, and they don't want to just put a uh, start and end date onto the whole thing. They want to be able to make movies forever and just be like, we have theme parks and toys, and you're going to give us all your money to like our stories. And, like, they nailed most of their storytelling, and now they're 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 floundering a little bit. But hopefully well, – Well, but I would, also, I would also argue that while the books were more compelling, the first two Harry Potter movies weren't that great. Okay. Well, they're still bad, and they're a higher average than Star Wars. No, I know. I'm saying I'm, I I completely understand what you're saying. I I think so. Back to the point. I think Mads 
replacing Depp as Grindelwald could be a step back. I thought Johnny Depp did a pretty good job playing that villain. So um, it remains to be seen, but I definitely care. I, I want this movie to succeed. We all care. Um, guys, I'm going to give you a warning about this. I don't want to go into this at all, but it is news. So uh, don't spoiler warning. We will talk about this later in the show, um, but Ahsoka Tano is going to maybe get her own show on Disney plus, which is very famous character for real star Wars nerds. Um, we won't really go into it, but would you guys be excited by um, uh, what's Rosario Dawson? in your own series as Ahsoka in the Star Wars universe on Disney Plus. Would that excite you? I think I think so, only because, and I'm going to stick to my mantra, I want more long-form Star Wars. And even if this is the, you know, Iron Man 2 version of that, I feel like it's going to continue to lead to greater things. So I would be excited to watch it. I think she's uh, an interesting character. I don't know enough about Star Wars Rebels to really have an opinion on whether or not they're, you know, quote unquote, like doing her justice in the Mandalorian world. Um, people parachute in to this, to the Mandalorian show and then parachute out pretty quickly. Um, I feel like right. that's going to happen with. Let's just save it. We're going to get into all of that. Okay. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I care. And yes, I'm excited that that's a possibility. Yes, I definitely care. I don't know that I'm that thrilled about that part. And we can get into it later. Okay. Um, next up, WandaVision, we now know will be filmed at some point as like a documentary style show. Um, Jim, can you give us a little more information on kind of how this show is going to be filmed and maybe what it will look like and how it will be acted? Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, okay. So what we've seen so far kind of matches, matches up with what the filmmakers are saying, right? So, um, We've seen, you know, images of her like in a 1960s Leave it to Beaver type or like I Dream of Genie type of sitcom. And then we've seen it progress. And I guess they're saying that it's going to kind of go up through the different eras of sitcom filmmaking until they get to like the office where they're like kind of shaky cam, single camera. They're doing interviews in a separate room as if there's sort of a film crew there that nobody talks about, which is what we've seen with like. Parks and Rec and 30 Rock and The Office and, you know, others. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's cool. I, I get it. I think it's all sort of going to be taking place inside of Scarlet, which is alternate reality that she's creating with her powers. So you can do whatever you want. It's a sandbox. So be fun. All right. I, I'm excited about it. I think anything that they're doing on Disney Plus right now, I'd say anything that they actually care about on Disney Plus, I'm all in. I mean, the shows, yeah. they need to be good. Um, they're proving that they're putting the right people in charge and they're putting the right budget into it. And they are going to really rely on these shows to drive subscriptions. And so I think that these shows are going to continue to be must-watch television. And not only that, as we always say, in Kevin Feige, we trust. And there's there's really no other way to look at it. If, if he's feeling like he's going to progress the Marvel universe in a certain direction, then we should just buckle up and hang on for the ride because we've done it this, thus far and it's turned out very well. I just think that what happened with Marvel and their TV series was that they originally had this idea. They were like ahead of the game. Like they were going to make this massive cinematic universe, which they did better than anyone ever has. And then on top of that, they were going to let it cross over into television. And their original deal was with what Netflix and, and yeah. 
Well, they were keeping it very separate. I mean, they had Daredevil first, and then you had, um, you know, Luke Cage, and you had Jessica Jones, and you had uh, the Punisher at some point, and then they all got together for um, the Defenders. Does that sound right? Your guy Iron Fist. Your guy Iron Fist. You forgot him. Yeah. Oh, God. So they had a whole thing there, and I don't think there was a lot of plans to bring them in. Um, Although now we're hearing that maybe Daredevil will enter the MCU at some point with Charlie Cox as the actor, which would be great because he was awesome. No, No fault to him. Um, but at this point, this is a whole new plan. I mean, this is shit that they're taking the, the movie stars and putting them in the shows. Well, I think that that was their, their, they had this plan originally and now they're going to really make it a real thing and they're going to cross everything over and they're going to blend all the lines and they're going to tell the stories, um, in different ways. And they're going to give you the, the context that maybe you're missing from just watching the movies. And so mm-hmm. I think that's really exciting. And I think that, um, what I'm sure makes me and others not quite as excited about these Marvel shows before we watch them is that we're thinking of them like the previous Marvel shows. And in reality, they're going to be much bigger budget, much better writing, much more aligned with the universe and much more essential to watch. It's going to be like an eight hour movie. I mean, imagine Eric, like in your, in your perfect world, if Harry Potter was coming out with a TV series coming to HBO max, I mean, ser- seriously, like you're, you would be, that, that's, that's the level that this is, is going to be coming to. I, I mean, and I think it, you hit it all on the head, Eric. The only, I think the only thing that you missed is that COVID forced their hand and that, that sort of like accelerated these, uh, these plans to move some of the content to long form and then try and still do some movies. But I really feel like that COVID has, has really reset the way that these executives are looking at uh, some of their, you know, breadwinning um, characters. And we're going to get a much better version of that than we thought we were. I mean, just imagine this guys, HBO announces, does HBO have anything to do with Warner brothers? No idea. Okay. So HBO announces that they're going to do um, a series, multiple seasons, Harry Potter about the. Oh, Oh, Eric, real quick. Sorry. I just Googled it. Uh, you know who owns HBO? Warner Media. Oh, here we go. Here we go. HBO announces Harry Potter multiple seasons uh, of the first Wizarding War. So we're like in the early 90s, and it's all the biggest British actors and actresses, and they are James Potter, Sirius Black, um, Lily Potter, Dumbledore. Voldemort, you know, like all of the characters that you know, but younger, Snape. yep, younger versions of themselves, and you kind of already know the story, but they give you all of the details you've never gotten before. Okay, yeah. Eric, Eric, you need to calm down. Like I can feel the level of enthusiasm reaching. <laughs> so it's not even announced yet, and in Eric's head, it is already like it's coming in 2021. Give me five to six seasons of that. And it's like million dollars budget each, and we're set. I can't wait. I would love it. I would be. I would definitely steal your HBO Max at the same rate I am now, and you might even pay more for it. That's fine. I'd be. Happy. <laughs> All right. um, well, with your download speeds, it might cost more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really got to go there. Already. Uh, next up, Chappelle Show uh, is leaving Netflix. It feels like like three weeks ago we said it was coming to Netflix. Yeah, it's good. It's on HBO Max still. But yeah, so kind of an interesting thing. So Dave Chappelle's like synonymous with Netflix now. So he does these big specials that have been fantastic. Like, 
I've watched all, I think, has there been three? Three or four comedy specials he's done for Netflix exclusively. And he has a long-term deal with them. So Viacom, who owns Comedy Central and owns this shit, Dave Chappelle has no rights to it. Like, just put it on there. And for whatever reason, Dave Chappelle didn't like the fact that they they could just put it wherever and he didn't have any say in it. And he asked them to take it down, and they did. I think that's kind of cool. I think it's really cool. And it just makes me think to myself, Netflix is cool. Viacom sucks. Um, they did the right thing. And it, it was like probably a much smaller um, investment in uh, of important talent and relationship to them. But also it made me, a longtime subscriber, think more positively of them. So I think it was a great move. And it was the kind of thing that didn't really happen in the world of show business, to my knowledge. And one I also think was, like maybe, I was going to say, I just think maybe uh, Viacom was like, yeah, the numbers are pretty soft. We're okay taking it down. Yeah. Everybody that wants to watch anything Chappelle show related has already seen it like 30 times over, especially like the funniest skits. So like the numbers weren't that great. I think if, if they had had, you know, a hundred million views in the first three weeks, they would have been like, absolutely not. That's staying up there. We're making money hand over fist. But anyway. Well, Dave Chappelle is still creating high, high quality art at this point. So whatever we need to do to protect him, to keep creating, I think is good. We don't need to dwell on what he's already done because he's he's delivering more hot fire to quote one of his old characters. Um, Are you? Uh, is he on your list of uh, people that need to be protected not, at all costs? Not yet on my list of people that need to be. I, I did add Dolly Parton recently. Do you guys? Are you okay with that? I mean, you're on our list, so. Yeah, you lambasted us anytime we said anything about it. So why are you asking us? <laughs> you guys, Dolly Parton's on the list is what I meant to say. Okay. I'll consider Dave, though. Thank you for the suggestion. Okay, guys. So uh, let's move on to... Jimbo's going to take Dave Chappelle to the review committee to uh, discuss his nomination for the list. (laughs) Let's move on to High Rex, guys. There's lots to talk about. Uh, First up, um, Mandalorian. And so we said, if you haven't watched Mandalorian yet, please don't listen to this because you need to watch it first. Mandalorian. um, Wow. Star Wars 3? Three, right? Of season two? Episode five. Is that where we're on already? Five? Holy shit. Okay, five. So episode five, season two. Um, Star Wars has never been better than it is right now with Mandalorian. I am more interested in the entire story and the entire universe as they are fixing mistakes from the past. They're fixing mistakes from movies that they've made recently and a while back. They have amazing cameos, interesting characters, and this episode brings in Ahsoka Tano, who is a famous Jedi warrior, Jedi Knight, that we have only seen. Well, incorrect. She's she's not a Jedi. She claim she left the Jedi, but mm-hmm. she is a Force user who yeah, okay. uses the Force for all the right reasons and was trained by Jedi. Yeah, she was. So she was um, Anakin Skywalker's. Padawan. So, you know, for for all the time between, like, the second movie and the third movie, that Clone Wars shit, she was right there in the thick of it. Yeah. So, she is... um, She wields not one, but two white lightsabers. Um, She absolutely scorched everybody who came in contact with her. 
and uh, she ends up meeting with uh, Mando. What's his name, by the way? Din Jardin. Yeah. Jardin, right? We call him Mando. We call him Mando. She meets up with him. They have a cool little fight scene, which I thought was really fun to see um, the effects of her lightsabers against his um, Beskar armor, which mm-hmm. showed you why the Mandalorians and the Jedi were able to at least have a real battle when they would fight because the Beskar was so strong it stands up to a lightsaber. Uh, and they, they only stop fighting when he says that he was sent by Bo-Katan the uh, Mandalorian warrior that he had come into contact with prior, and when she sees child Yoda. Yeah. Moment was um, exciting. Awesome, awesome, awesome intro. Her, like, even before they met, her, like, cooking through the, the dark woods with her lightsabers off, and then on, and then off, and the lighting. Um, it was very, very cool. One of the coolest lightsaber sequences I've ever seen, and it came from a fucking TV show. I think it was like right there with any lightsaber stuff that we've ever seen. It was like, it make like the one thing is, and I'm not trying to rip the, the movies from the seventies and eighties, you know, like the lightsabers in those looked incredible for the time, but never has a lightsaber felt more powerful than it did in her hands in this episode. Like they just mm-hmm. look so cool. They look so powerful and her chopping up people and cutting the bell in half was a sight to be seen. It was really, mm-hmm. really exciting. Um, every time she was on screen, I was really into it. And then she has a, uh, you know, how would you even say it? How do they? How does she talk to Baby Yoda? Like a force connection. Yeah, they yeah. like mental telepathic connection. And she. Said, it would be it would be similar to what like Ray and Kylo had. Only you're not hearing it. I think would be a, a great way to to think about it. So she uh, announces that his name is actually Grogu. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't take it seriously. Yeah, Grogu. We're going to go with that. I'm fine with it because it's it's no no more silly than Yoda or Yaddle or whatever. Yeah, Yaddle, Yaddle was horrible. So at least it wasn't something that dumb. If it was Yaddle, we would all have been pissed. So his name is Grogu. Is Grogu. Also, we got all kinds of backstory. I was pretty surprised that they gave us so much, but we found out that Grogu is uh, what was part of the Jedi Temple who had been trained by many Jedi Masters, probably knows Yoda, probably knows Luke Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker is the same age as as Grogu. They were born the same year, which is oh. pretty um, so what happened? Oh, wait, 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 wait! Hold on. So does that does that throw the uh, does that throw the Harry Potter wrinkle onto the Chosen One, a la Neville Longbottom, a little bit? Probably some some of that. Yes, with same same thing. Born in the same year. Um, yeah, knows all of the characters that we know from Star Wars. Um, and I've seen the whole like I've seen fear like this before, mm-hmm. fear and anger, and I don't want to train this child because mm-hmm. see what can happen and so them being born in the same year yeah that is interesting so we know that he was in the jedi temple when anakin skywalker came in and killed all of the the what did they call the younglings. Younglings. younglings killed all the younglings someone takes him and saves him and then he is alone and scared before running into mando and now he really cares about mando 
the because he said and then he also said like uh once the the temple was attacked he doesn't really remember much like his his uh memory gets foggy or whatever so it answers a lot of things like we were kind of thinking this entire time that maybe he was just like so powerful with the force that like even though he was like childlike he could um, use the force or tap into it when he was afraid. But in reality, he was practicing with the top Jedi masters for like decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, he's sort of, uh, like rope doping a little bit, you know, like he's been, they he's, told him, he's sort of, or they said he had, he's had to hide it before he's had to hide it and only right. use it when absolutely necessary because he can't be letting people know. And it's like a safety, you know, a defense mechanism. He has to keep his power a secret. Right. So he is actually like a intelligent being who we have just assumed was like a baby because one, he developed so much slower than um, other species and two, because he doesn't speak. And so he's much more intelligent and much more talented than we had been led to believe so far. And I read an article that was interesting that was like, you know, does this sort of explain the way that Yoda speaks you know, with the subject and the object and the verb out of order. And it's because, you know, they grow a long time with like being able to speak with the force and they're so in touch with all the, this information they're getting from the force that verbal, you know, communication develops later for the species, which is kind of cool. It's like, well, he probably was so beyond that that by the time he even, you know, Yoda even learned to speak, he just did it his own way. My favorite thing is like how, with a story like this that was never a thought grogu didn't exist to george lucas when he came up with this story so how yoda speaks and whatnot and how he communicates with people wasn't part of the story but i just love that it can become part of the story they're doing a lot of that that's usually a good effect it's called retconning and they're doing a ton of it that's okay though, because that's what has yeah. to happen if you want to keep these stories alive. And so mm-hmm. I do really think that they're doing a great job with this. All the Grogu stuff was amazing. All the Ahsoka stuff was really cool. And uh, when Mando and Ahsoka teamed up, I it was the most exciting part of the whole series so far. Yeah, it was awesome. So they go to this village uh, town that had been taken over by, uh, all we know is she was a woman who lost a lot during the the you know last war and she was like pretty much like a warlord at this point in time she had a beskar a solid pure beskar spear which was pretty cool um but you get an awesome scene where ahsoka comes in climbs the wall slaughters all of the guards is using the force is using her lightsabers is chopping everyone down is killing the robots um heads into the city faces off with a ton of people with guns pretty much they all split up in which must what must have been the dumbest move of all time and she just well real, real quick i think that was her plan was to lead them into like the back alleyways right so that they would have to be split up like they could they couldn't go in uh you know and she was using the rooftops like they couldn't go in as like one big group because then they felt like they would get slaughtered so they sent them on you know, hey, split up, you go around this way, you go around this way, and that turned out very poor she for them. them down. Um, it, Mando, she makes it seem like she killed Mando, um, but then he shows up, and he saves people who were kind of, like, hung up in these weird cages. And then, who's the guy that he goes to battle with? 
Well, they never gave him a name. I don't think he was just supposed to be like a mercenary. But who's the actor? He oh yeah, been, he's a pretty famous actor. Famous. He was. Uh, he was an alien. He was in Terminator, and he was in something else, like all movies that you would know. Um, Bane or something. Something Bane, maybe is his last name. Yeah, Bane was his. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, guys, he was a nobody. Let's be honest. He's nobody. No, 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 no. He's a he's a very famous person. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very. Um, he also was in um, um, Tombstone. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, he. No Kilmer. Oh no, no, nobody that famous. <laughs> so anyway, he faces off with Mando as um, uh, Ahsoka goes into like the quarter. the magistrate. Yeah, the magistrate's quarters, and I was so pumped when she took off her cloak, takes out the two lightsabers. The woman has her Beskar spear, and they absolutely go to battle. This was such mm -hmm. a fun. It was, and at the end of that, we hear a name for the first time, new to us. And of course, I got right in the Google machine and found out what's what was going on. But we hear about Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn. Which I guess is um, a reference to Rebels. Yeah. And this guy's like, he's like a scary looking guy with like a blue face. And he was like in charge of um, a big, like, uh, what do they call it? Sort of a fleet of the yeah. Empire ships. Worked for the Emperor, worked for Palpatine. In, um, and by the end of his time, he was like exploring the outer rings of the universe. And the outer rim? The outer rim. And that's, and that's where... Um, if spoiler alert, if you watched the most recent movie, the rise of Skywalker, that is where the emperor went and had his entire fleet being built. Yeah. A lot of work to be done there in the outer rim, a lot of rim jobs. <laughs> so there, <laughs> there is going to be some kind of connection to this guy, Thrawn and the work being done to kind of bring the empire back, you know, uh, most, um, unexplored areas of the universe. Now, what I found out also is that when they go to hyperspeed with their ships, um, the only way they can do that is in places that are mapped, right? So if you didn't yeah. have the coordinates to it perfectly down, you would go right through a planet or a star or something like that, and you would like be vaporized. And so they can't do that when they're way out there. And so a lot of people believe he was out there trying to map those parts of the solar system for, so that they could like be out there and use that area and those resources. And that's what would end up happening. So I like the connections that are being made to the movies and parts of the movies that we didn't even like and kind of fixing those or giving us enough context that they're going to make more sense when you go back and watch it again. Yeah, so. so real quick, the, uh, the mercenary guy, he played Johnny Ringo in Tombstone. Hey. Which is a pretty big role. And then he also played Eric, you'll get to this later, perfect segue, Commander Anderson in The Rock. So he was the one that led the SEAL team incursion into Alcatraz. There we go. There we go. All right. So, guys, Mandalorian, I'll move on from it. But, I mean, how essential is this television right now? It's big. It's so good. As, as high as it can get. So just, I mean, I know we, we got to move on and we spent a long time. I just think that I'm a little bit feeling already um, cheated that we just get to meet Ahsoka. She's so phenomenal. And now if I want to see her again, I either got to rewatch the episode 
or I have to wait for them for her to take for them to take her out of the show and give her her own show. She'll be back like, for sure. I know, but like, I don't know. I do like that they introduce a lot of new characters, but like Ryan, weren't you the one that was like they parachute in and out just as quick? Yeah, that's possible. But I think I think with this one, um, if they are going to give her her own show, they're going to bring her back uh, with the and I forget the gal from the previous episode, and oh. they're going to link up. And they're yeah, and they're going to help. They're going to help each other um, in some fashion against uh, Grand Moff uh, Gideon, Moff yeah. Gideon. Yeah. So I think I think it'll come full circle, and we'll get more of them. But like you said, Jim, I mean, but it's a it's a stop on a larger map, you know, for Mandalorian. So like you're not going to be able to stick with these characters. And I think if they were going to um, have a tangent, a tangential story um, off of Mandalorian. This is probably the best character to do it with. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not going to be Cara Dune or uh, you know Carl Weathers' character. Like those, those aren't that compelling a story. So I think Ahsoka Tano is the best one. You're right. The Marshal would be a close second. Would be kind of interesting. But you're right. I mean, you're. We've met a Jedi finally. So this They're is the one. I agree. Back and guys. Here's the thing. If your choice was wanting more or wanting less, wanting more is always the right thing. And the more mm-hmm. that you want characters to show up or you want these things to happen, when they do happen, it feels so damn special. And so I think this, that... Uh, Eric, this show sucks. It, I need more of it. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's move on to the other big show right now. That's HBO's His Dark Materials. And I think after season one, we all enjoyed season one, but I think we were iffy on it. And I think that had more to do with the budget of season one than anything else. Um, Mm. Now that it's a full HBO show with the full backing of HBO and their massive bank account, this show has turned the corner and is also extremely essential. I mean, talk about making a leap. I I would say the, the term would be like slightly underwhelmed with season one. And, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about how that, like you said, that was under the the BBC umbrella a little bit more, but HBO injected some funding into it to make it a little bit better. But now this is fully under HBO control and Oh my God, what a difference. I mean, serious. I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not exaggerating what a difference it makes. I really like one. So I'm not trying to say that they, that it was bad. I was excited for season two to come out because season one was so fun, but yeah, underwhelming, even though I liked it a lot, would be a great way to describe it. And season two is just so perfect. Everything about it is better. The writing, Mm -hmm. the the, the way they film it, the way that the um, demons look, uh, Daphne Keene is here to stay as a massive star. If I was starting an, uh, a universe, she would be my first female pick at this point. Yeah, to the point where when they're making Last of Us, you know, that adaptation where, like, Daphne Keene has got to do it if she can do it. She She's phenomenal. The, um, the Coulter woman is so good. Uh, I mean, really, the, fir- the two best episodes of the entire series have been the last two, I mean, in season two. Um, I, I think that they have really dialed this thing in. And the story is so much bigger and the mysteries are so much um, there's so many more of them that I just think this is more of a traditional show, um, a a traditional fantasy show. Whereas Mando 
is more of like, you know, a Western, right? To keep it, keep it sparse, keep the dialogue down. Don't overcomplicate things. He's a simple man on a simple mission, motherfucker. You know what I mean? This is like, yeah. what we're getting is multiple factions warring against each other. We have the witches, the bears, the fucking, um, you know, the, the people like Lyra, the people from different universes, the, the Catholic church. Let's just be honest. The What's up? Magisterium. The magisterium. Um, you know, it, it, there's just so much more going on and they've really dialed in how to balance it and pace it. And now I think it's, I'm, I look forward to, to his dark materials more than Mando now. And I'm so excited to have both. And I will be so bummed when they're both off the air for another. I mean, when you like the woman who plays, uh, is it uh, Ruth Wilson who plays Miss, Miss Coulter, Magnetic. her, her, her ending um, sort of monologue or, or like comments of episode two, I'm not going to spoil them um, for anybody that hasn't watched it. Worse were like Cersei level game of Thrones uh, dialogue like at her peak where mm-hmm. I was like angry but then like as a as a just a, a fan of like great television was like awestruck like just just in awe of of the way she was able to deliver the lines and it is I would agree with Jim I would give the slight edge to his dark materials as the as the series that I'm looking more forward to week to week now what makes that a little bit more weighted even towards his dark materials is that we've only gotten two episodes where we're at five from Mando. So to say like his dark materials is slightly better at this point in time, um, I think definitely gives the edge as, as HDM is, is more compelling right now. See, I think that um, what we as uh, real experts on television know though, is that series try to hook you at the beginning. They usually, um, have moments in the middle and then end really strong. And I think we're in the middle of, of, uh, of Mandalorian. And I think that Mandalorian in the end is going to be more fun and feel more important. Um, but I do think that I can make real guesses about Mandalorian, which is, was just fun. And I can connect it to so much of the Canon that I have seen or know. Um, but with his dark materials, I haven't read the books and I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, it's all brand new for us. Yeah, so I think that like they are different. I probably am more excited about Mandalorian, um, but his dark materials is right there for me, and it's close. And uh, Daphne Keene is probably the best character on TV right now. Like she, yeah. for a fifteen-year-old girl in real life, I mean, she is an incredible actress. I'm so excited about anything that they're doing on that show and i truly have no idea what's going on or why people are fighting or what answers i'm even supposed to be looking for and i do think that that is really fun and really refreshing yeah i mean i i can see why you'd give the edge to mandalorian because when we talk about essential it's there's nothing more essential that is like well people don't gather on water coolers anymore but if they did they would be talking about mandalorian They'd be talking about Grogu, is what they'd they be talking about Grogu. Um, and so I get that, um, but for me, and I am biased because I did read the books, although it's been a long time, and I love the story. Um, I know I'm a little biased there. It's my favorite show, but I would be okay with still giving the belt to Mando if that's what we're going to agree on. 
Well, it sounds like you guys are giving the belt to His Dark Materials, so I'm fine well, either way. I think I vote. I mean, I guess I'll vote His Dark Materials as the better show, and just because people aren't necessarily watching it at the same level, I just think it's absolutely get, gotten to the point where it's must see. I think that when we talk in our group chat, um, people are really, really worried about spoilers of Mandalorian. It is mm -hmm. a special thing to watch on television, and it is literally can't miss TV. It's like you need to watch it because everyone's going to be talking about it. And the last time we had a show like that was Game of Thrones. Yeah, RJ Bard, be the deciding vote. I would understand. Eric that. makes Eric Eric makes a very compelling argument. I, I, I think we need. I think we need to go WWE, and we need to have a ladder match, <laughs> and just let's solve it that way. Uh, ladder and chairs. All right, dude. I'm fine. Mandalorian holds it for another week, but guess what? We will revisit. We will revisit. Why don't you do this? To, this. But well, here, real quick. To to think that like going into Mandalorian season two, after two weeks of his dark materials, we would even be considering this discussion. I think is a great testament to uh, what the writers and the creators of his dark materials have done to amplify that show to the level of even just even having it in the same discussion as Mandalorian is a huge uh, credit to them. Amen, brother. So here's what I think you should do. Don't, don't uh, let it so people can see the vote, but put it up for people to vote on. And then at the end of the voting, you can make a post with who the current, title belt holder is and we can okay. let people also vote and give their opinion we've given ours maybe people will listen to our arguments and make a decision for themselves okay all right let's finish up with a couple uh, more hot wrecks here um we have a few that are better late than never we have a few that are on right now um the first one i want to just talk about quickly is a show i'm totally into right now it's a youtube show that i'm sure everyone knows about already I'm sure everyone has watched some of it, or at least you've seen the, the famous memes that go with the show. But I have been watching on Hulu now, Hot Ones, which is an incredible show. And mm -hmm. there's been like almost 200 episodes at this point in time. I am late to the party. But wow. if, you, if you don't know about it, Hot Ones is as good as any um, late night like um, – what are those shows called? Like David Letterman and talk shows. Talk shows. Like this guy who's the host. I don't even know his name. Sean Evans. Sean Evans is the man. He is one of the best interviewers in the entire world right now. Um, there is no. Can I just stop you? I've yeah. been I've been watching this show for four years. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I'm so excited that you that you're finally on board and want to talk about it. Hot ones is also essential. Like so what? let's 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 break it down for the audience for for those that haven't um, seen any of the of, of the shows. It is a one-on-one -on -one interview with Sean Evans and a celebrity guest where they eat chicken wings that have been doused in varying levels of uh, Scoville hot sauce, like wing sauces. So it, they start the interview out on like uh, let's just say like uh, sriracha. Like a hundred or, or, or Tabasco sauce or, you know, something like very, very light, very easy. Frank's red hot, you know, for instance. And then as the interview goes on and they continue to eat these wings, the, the, the heat uh, of the wing and the sauce continues to get higher until like the last 
wing is the hottest sauce known to man with like a three billion Scoville whatever rating. So anyway, yeah. and then and then as like if the interview starts off more fun and like sort of flip it with the easy uh, hot sauces, but then the questions get more difficult along with the the hotter sauces. So I'm just going to spoil what happens on every show. So what ends up happening, no matter the guest, is they do such a great job with the interview and their curating of the hot sauce lineup that you go through the first few questions and the person is kind of just like giving simple answers and the sauces are getting a little hot and then gets to the middle and they're like starting to struggle and the questions are getting a little deeper. Then it gets to number eight and they throw out the bomb, which everybody thinks is the worst hot sauce ever. And the bomb literally kills every person that has it. And then except for two people. Well, even the people who like ate it and were okay. Like they think it's hot, even if they're not drinking milk and they'll be like, Oh, it's pretty hot. Except for what is his name? Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri and, and Padme. Padme were the only two that like weren't affected by any of the hot sauces. Padma. Padme. Oh, Padma. Is... Sorry. Sorry. Padma. I apologize. Padme yeah. is. Sorry. Amadala, as we know, her full name. <laughs> so most of the people though really struggle. They get to the bomb. It's really freaking hot for them. And then they like, they get like this weird, they're like, they get like a high at the hot sauces. And then they like, it's like a religious experience for these people. And then they answer these really deep questions. And then they're like, just letting you into their soul. It's pretty amazing to watch. So a few of them that I've really enjoyed so far. Um, Shia LaBeouf was amazing. Like what a great episode that was. Um, I love. Steve-o? I haven't seen that one yet. Is that. In- oh, that one's, that one's pretty good. He, he calls Knoxville in the middle of the, uh, of the interview to confirm some information that Sean Evans dug up. Okay. And then, um, you know, I watched some like, like uh, Justin Timberlake kind of came off as a douche early. And then by the end he was being really cool. Um, but the best one is one of the most famous ones and it's easily the best episode. And that was Paul Rudd. That's good. Paul, I have a couple favorites. Paul Rudd does the acting scene where they're crying and they're doing the, the scene together. He does the, all the sauces on the last wing. For the last <laughs> one. It's incredible. And then they, you get the famous meme, the look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Who would have thought? Look at us. Not me. That's <laughs> great. I, I agree. And there's so many memes. I mean, like the Shaq face of like the ooh with the hot wing there. I mean, he was great. I love his, his episode too. Yeah, we were watching this back in the day, Ryan. I mean. I love it. Did you see the new one? Whatever. So I'm glad that. Uh, and was that Adam's challenge? Yep. Adam told me I needed to watch hot one. I needed to watch QB1 and we both loved them. Great. I think uh, one of my favorite ones is Key and Peel. I kind of like the I kind of like the duos a little bit on the interview. I think they're pretty solid too. Like the Key and Peele one had me rolling, laughing. All right, Jim, you watched the show and you recommended it to me. What were you watching? Oh God, um, this is on HBO Max. It's called How to with Dave Wilson. Is that this guy's John name? Wilson. John Wilson. So I don't know how to describe it. I just I almost want to tell people to watch it. But I also don't want to be responsible for having told people to watch it. Do you know what I mean? So, Eric, you've seen, what, four of them? I've watched four of them now, maybe five. There's only six. I watched all six. They're about half an hour. And I don't know how to describe the show, except for, like, if you like the humor of Nathan Fielder, he is the executive producer of this. So, you know, Nathan, for you, that guy went and found this other dude that was doing like a lot of New York kind of underground filmmaking of like neighborhood stuff in New York, weird 
like footage of kind of like silly shit going on, rats doing weird stuff. It's everything, right? And then he kind of like narrates over the footage and and tries to sort of like insert jokes, like juxtapositioning his narration with what you're seeing. And then he interviews people, real people, and it gets weirder than Borat. Eric, weirder than Borat? It's a, okay, this is how I would describe it. It is the worst, most boring, stupid, idiotic show you've ever seen. And the best, funniest, most genius show you've ever watched. Somehow at the same time. (laughs) Like at the exact same time, you're like, this show is so dumb and boring and stupid. Why am I watching it? And you're laughing out loud. Like this can't be happening. Multiple times. I have a huge smile on my face. I'm also like one episode is about scaffolding. One is about covering your furniture. And these are happening. But these are the the episode titles are how to make small talk. How to put up scaffolding. How to improve your memory. How to cover your furniture. How to split the check. And how to cook the perfect risotto. I mean, and the, like, if you can get to episode six, it's like so heartwarming and so it's so funny. But episode four, you'll either like love the show or you'll never watch TV again. And you'll probably not listen to the podcast again if I recommended it. It's, it's, I watched it with well, my mouth literally wide open, like at a gape and covering my eyes and peeking through my eye, my fingers to watch it. So I wrecked the show for me. I thought it was brilliant, brilliant, so different. But I watch TV nonstop. And so for me, it's a wreck. For you, uh? for me, it's a wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't anyway, say you're listening to this right now. Watch the show if you want to. And when you get to the part that we're laughing about right now, just DM me so we can laugh about it together. Because I don't want to spoil anything. Just watch the fucking show or not. That's it. And let's move on. Okay. Um, all right. So just real quick, um, you also watched a show called Flight Attendant. Yeah, Flight Attendant. Kaylee Cuoco, remember her? Yeah. Big Bang. Big Bang, Big Bang Theory, bad show. She was fine. Good part of it. So she's got a new show that's like a murder mystery she, it's kind of like she's the narrator, but she's very unreliable because she is like an alcoholic and bipolar. And they use that to great advantage for her to kind of go back and have these like mental episodes where she can, you know, exposition for the show. Um, it's got it got all these great reviews. Um, I don't think it's that good. I'm going to skip it. I think that if you like really like like murder mystery shows on like the WB or on maybe like Bravo you might like this. I think it's very much from like a young woman's point of view. Um, and I don't think it's quite for me. Uh, she's pretty good with what she has to work with. I think it's a skip and not a wreck for me. Okay. And then real quickly, I, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I just want to let our audience know that I did watch the rock based on your guys' opinions, your recommendations. You told me I had to watch the rock. And uh, what do you guys think I thought of it? I think he thought it was trash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it has because it has none of the nostalgia factor for you. Okay, so one, I've realized that you guys love movies that make you feel nostalgic. Oh yeah. Two, sure. the movie is actually a good movie and I, I really like everyone in it. Um I love Sean Connery in it. I uh, he he's actually really good. Um, I love uh what's the man in black? What's his name? 
Oh, I don't remember anybody Ed else. From from um, Westworld. Oh, Ed Harris. Ed oh, Harris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really Ed, good. He's amazing. Um, everything about the movie is great, except for, uh, what's his name? The worst yeah. actor of all time. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Literally actor of all time. He ruins every scene he's in. He overacts. Every, everything he does, he overacts. He's just shouting crazy, nonsensical things that take you out of the movie every time he talks. I actually spent a lot of the movie feeling bad for Sean Connery. Where I was like, <laughs> Sean Connery is putting on a performance here, and Nick Cage is just making this into an absolute joke. Like, he just can't act. He's so bad. And the thing is, the worst thing about it is, Nick Cage, I don't know what it is. He isn't funny, he isn't good looking, and he can't act well. So I don't really know why he kept getting big roles. Because he literally ruins the movie, which otherwise was a pretty decent movie. And it was pretty fun. So um, I didn't hate it. It was literally like a combination of what I'm assuming were people's favorite movies at the time. It was like a little bit of Indiana Jones and a little bit of Die Hard and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, like kind of like took all pieces of all people's favorite movies and then like made it into this like action movie happening in an old. Well, it was like uh, it was like Speed where it was like three different movies. Right. Yeah. There's there's three different there's three different sections to it, right? There's the opening part, and then there's the then there's the middle part where like it doesn't really have to do with the main plot, like when uh, you know Sean Connery is escaping the the Fairmont Hotel and then drives the Lamborghini through you know all of downtown San Francisco, but that had nothing to do with like the actual crux of the movie. You know what I mean? It was just like that middle. Yeah, it was just that middle section that they had to fill time with, and they're like, yeah, let's blow up San Francisco. Fuck it. <laughs> hey, this is Michael Bay. Let's not forget that. So when Michael Bay, yeah, ever Nick Cage was about to do a take, and he was like, "Do you think I should uh, play this really intense, or maybe back it down a little bit?" Michael Bay was always like, "Buddy, I want you to take it to a 12. So just keep that in mind, and Nick you can you can spread the blame out a little bit, okay? Nick Cage ruins what would have been a really good movie. They would have just had a, like he a good dialogue to do the same shit in all the Transformers movies. Oh, but you want to be a little bit like kind of paranoid and nervous i want you to dial that all the way up yeah yeah all right so guys let's move on to our next segment which is called die hard rewatch with a vengeance okay. hell yeah all right when you say it like that i'm i'm, I'm good with it i like it when again. you when you say it like nick cage i'm in die hard rewatch with a vengeance that was not bad <laughs> even better even better take two was the best one <laughs> so <laughs> Guys, we watched Die Hard. Um, we thought it would be a perfect time to watch it. Hopefully you guys are watching it with us. We thought it would be a great time to watch Die Hard because it, we were moving into the holiday season. Guys, I haven't watched Die Hard in like a really long time. Like yep. so, so that like I had forgotten a lot of it. Um, it is not a Christmas movie at all. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's false, but yeah. <laughs> it, it so happens to be happening on Christmas Eve where there was a Christmas party. And that is most of what the christmas movie part of it is so do we have to okay. do this do we have to wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute. Is, home, is home alone 2 a christmas movie i mean i know it i know it only happens around like the christmas holiday but they're at least celebrating christmas in it who who's they kevin was home by himself there's a there's the the mr whatever is going to donate the money to the kids hospital from all the Toy sales. Yeah, uh, that's that's all circumstantial evidence, Eric. That 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 has nothing to do with 
the fact that it's not a, like that it's a Christmas movie. So I would love it's, to, it's the same thing with Die Hard. I'd love to be able to break this movie down like I did with Indiana Jones with your guys' help, but I don't think I can because I don't think, even though I've watched this movie twice in the last week, that I can really go through and tell you what happens. Um, yeah, I really wanted this. You watched it twice? I wanted this segment to be good, and I really uh, like needed to like figure out what happened in this. Um, it's... It's pretty simple. I mean, all over the place, though, with like what happens and how many different action scenes there are. Yeah, there's a few different segments. I mean, it's it's kind of, you know, it's a it's a contained movie. It all happens in the Yakutomi Plaza. Um, It's pretty much like how charismatic is Bruce Willis? Okay, he's a lot charismatic. How charismatic is Alan Rickman? A lot. Let's plot them against each other with various different like kind of outside influences, different ideas they have to go against each other. Um, it's a cat and mouse thing. And in the end it ends in like a giant big, you know, explosion. And that's kind of a, it's kind of, I think it's actually like more of a thoughtful action movie than most though. So let's go through a couple things here. So one, it like a lot of movies, it works better without self. Yes. Yep. Agreed. And that's why they can't, it's hard to write movies now. Because pretty much at this point in time, it's pretty hard to be stranded anywhere. Like, it's pretty hard to be stranded without people knowing at this point in time because you always have a cell phone and service is always getting better. Um, yeah. And so that's that was a little difficult. So that wasn't a problem for them. They were able, easily able to cut the phone line and then that just shut them off from the world. Or like a tree branch fell on the phone lines in Home Alone. Kevin now just would have called his parents and been like, yo, I'm at home. Yeah, they that never would have happened. I mean, I, t- I totally agree. So um, you have um, Alan Rickman. He's 41 years old at the time. I looked it up. It's his first movie ever. Which is pretty crazy. It's really I crazy. Mean, he must have been a pretty well-established like stage actor at the time or had done you know, TV or whatever. But he is, he's the best part of this movie, I feel like, by quite a bit. Um, the, the girl, um, Mrs. The, movie the, the wife? Yeah, the wife. What's her name? Uh, uh, Elizabeth Gennaro? Gennaro. Holly Gennaro. Holly Gennaro is actually, the actress is actually Macaulay Culkin's aunt. Oh, okay. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin's aunt is the the character in this movie. Um, And then Bruce Willis, obviously a big star at the time. Um, I don't know if Bruce Willis is a very good actor. Yes, he is. I thought he was so good in this. He's so cool and magnetic. The first time that he goes, yippee Kaye, motherfucker. I mean, is that not chills? Are you not? And he like backs through the door to go shoot. Like, dude, that was cool as fuck. I think that Bruce Willis um, delivered amazing one-liners in this movie. And that was kind of where it stopped for me with him. Like he was a cool action star, but like um, he was like Jason Statham to me. No, 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 no. I, I would disagree. Better and much more believable. And I got him as a character like a lot quicker than I did with Indiana Jones because we did these back to back. I was like, what the fuck is with this guy? When I was watching Indiana Jones, I'm like, why is he doing this? Who is this man? And with this guy, I'm like, dude, he's a New York City cop. He's like going to L.A. Like you got the backstory. You got his motivation. I like I got down with John McClane very quickly compared to other movies, you know, at the time that were made at the time. I would agree. And then, and then also the eighties were built on movies that had like good one-liners. And I think 
Bruce Willis delivered them a lot better than any like Arnold Schwarzenegger movie you watched or any of those like late eighties, early nineties action stars. I think Jimbo's right on the money that John McClane was a very compelling character. You understood not only like his pain um, of, you know, with Holly and then like the name thing and then like his motivations as a cop and the fact that Han sort of taunted him, you know, in a way like uh, really pissed him off. And he did the whole thing barefoot. Like oh, lest wow. we forget he did the entire mission barefoot because of what someone said to him on the airplane of like, if you're feeling nervous about flying yeah. when you land, just take your shoes off, rub your toes in the carpet, you know, or grip them in the carpet or whatever, and you'll feel much better. And I love that. And literally when Bruce Willis was like cooking around those sets barefoot and like jumping stuff, did he not look athletic as shit? Like when Absolutely. He, was like, he was flying around those sets, he looked so good. I was like, I, I really believed the action in this movie more than others. So, okay. A couple things for here. Um, one, the police are so stupid and like, it's such just terrible police work that it took me out of the movie a few times. Like mm -hmm. even realistic, like when he calls on the radio and he's like, there's people shooting in this building. And they're like, sir, call 911 or we're going to have you arrested. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I'm telling you, there are people shooting in this building. And they're like, sir, please hang up now. He's like, what do you think I'm doing? Lady trying to order a fucking pizza. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, I hope that she had to like, there was charges against her because yeah. she was negligent on the job. And then the one guy, um, I don't even know the actor, but the, like the main police guy. Oh my God. He was such a terrible villain in this movie. The guy from breakfast club. Oh, he was, he was the prince. Yeah. 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 That he, guy. I got you for, I got you for three months, Bender. Like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was unbearable and he, there needed, he needed to like face charges. Yeah. Um, so, okay. That was, I would say like out of the writing, okay, some of the writing was really clever. I thought like, you know, him moving around the building, kind of gaining an advantage, losing an advantage, kind of like, uh, you know, he meets Hans Gruber up in the upstairs area. Hans Gruber tricks him, but he figures it out at some point because he gave him the, uh, like the gun that wasn't loaded. All that stuff was fantastic writing. Bad writing was the cops. Terrible. Being totally like beyond ineffective. That was crazy. And then the other bad writing was like after a really great ending to the movie where he, you know, he first he jumps off the building. He Hans Gruber gets dropped, which by the way, they dropped Alan Rickman on the count of like one and a half instead of three. And so that was a genuine surprise from Alan Rickman, which was awesome. I love that fact. That was like the best ending. And then what do they do? So they go down. They like have a weird closing scene with the cop. The cop, like, we're all supposed to be so happy he killed somebody again. <laughs> Do you remember? Like yeah. the guy that was so clearly dead. Like the building's all been blown to shit. All the guys are dead. A guy comes out yeah. just to get shot by the cops. Oh yeah, Carl. Was it Carl on Carl. the uh, on the stretcher? Yeah. Yeah. So he comes up and shoots a guy. That was so fucking stupid. And then they got to give a moment to the the limo driver to like bust out of there. It's like, dude, the Argyle. Movie, Argyle. The movie was set, done and dusted, and they like almost ruined it with like a second and third ending. Yeah. No, I thought I agree. It's the fourth, it's the fourth act, dude. Come yeah. on. 
<laughs> exactly. All that stuff was pretty bad. But overall, um, it was a lot of fun. Um, I do not think it was a Christmas movie at all. Um, okay, give me – I know we're going long already. Can I get one minute just to go – okay. He, he literally requests Christmas music, and they play Christmas in Harlem. Uh-huh. They're all talking – all they talk about is Christmas at the Christmas party. The reason he's in town is for Christmas. Uh-huh. When he's moving through the, the things, when you're saying they don't even talk about Christmas, he's whistling, dashing through the snow. Uh-huh. The Santa decorations that he then repurposes for the ho-ho-ho message on the dead guy. Hans goes, it's Christmas time. It's a time of miracles. Then they go, you can't shut down the grid. It's Christmas Eve. And then the fires at the end, okay? The fires and the lights from the trees. And then those bonds are falling down like white snow outside the building. And they play Let It Snow for the ending of the movie. And then didn't John McClane tape the gun to his back with like uh, Christmas themed, like like wrapping tape? He's Santa. All the terrorists are bad boys that get coal. And his wife, well, she's a naughty little elf. She sleeps in cave. That was a huge stretch there. But you see what I'm saying. It is absolutely a Christmas movie. There's no doubt. Oh, uh, I agree with everything you're saying. Can we also talk about, uh, I forget his name. Was it Tony? Who was the guy that was like, Hans, Booby. Yeah. Okay, I know how to make a deal. <laughs> that guy was unbearable. Yeah, he yeah. Was- in fact, he made beards uncool for like 20 years. The reason we have beards right now is because people forgot about this movie. <laughs> um, overall... Oh, Ellis. Ellis was his name. Overall, Ellis. it was fun. It, I'm not sure it was good. Um, it made me think more of Alan Rickman, who I already thought was great probably made me think less of Bruce Willis. I'm not saying that the character wasn't enjoyable or fun, but like, I don't think he was a very good actor in the movie. I think that John Mm -hmm. McClane was a cool character with a lot of really cool one-liners. And just because John McClane, the character was a badass, doesn't mean I think that Bruce Willis was necessarily that great. I actually kind of was like, "Eh, Bruce Willis is pretty basic with his acting. So Mm -hmm. um, the movie, I don't know if it's good, but it was a lot of fun. All right. I liked it. I still think it is good. I don't think it's as good as when I, before we started the rewatch, I'll say that I was like, wow, there's, this is a longer movie than it needs to be. There's a long second act, very long second act. So um, yeah, overall I'm excited. The second one's interesting. It happens in an airport. The third one, I can't wait for that one. It happens like in New York city. And I, I have very fond memories. I'll say that. So. I've never watched the second or the third one. So I'm, I can't wait. Okay. I wish I wish there had been more. I thought the the interaction between Sergeant Al Powell and John McClane was just electric. Like to be able to shoot those scenes, you know, separately and have that dialogue, you know, fit together when he's like, oh, just call me Roy Rogers or whatever. And he's like, you know, so then he's calling him Roy the whole time. And I thought that was like a kind of like brilliant um way to just sort of slow the pacing down just for a minute like let everyone catch their breath um i i think uh he was like the dad in family matters yeah i think um like just the way he brought like kind of a calming presence to to everything and like let's think about this like i'm the uh um like rational brain in all of this when the fbi is like uh, he's like they're shooting at the lights and then 
like they keep shooting and then the uh, the idiot detective guy is like they're shooting at the lights you know yeah. and like i thought i thought like him adding like just sort of this like calm presence like really grounded the film a little bit better um where you know it didn't necessarily you didn't feel like it was heading that direction so um i think there were some great interactions but overall i would agree i thought it was better than it was but it was still really enjoyable it was still a, a really good movie overall yeah. All right, guys, here we go. You guys have been watching. Die Hard Rewatch with a Vengeance. <laughs> That's perfect. That's our music, our intro outro music. You nailed it. It is definitely a Christmas movie. Thank you. Wow! Thank you. Agreed. Do we want to try to do hang it or bang it, boys? Yeah. Let's uh, let's fit in a hang it or bang it, guys. Do you guys want to start with hang it or do you want to start with bang it? Dealer's choice. Let's start with bang it. I'm going to start first. Um, I'm going to bang it maybe because it's a a year uh, that's been so bad that I can't be Grinch like. Um, because you know that my favorite thing to do is to hate on things that everybody else likes. Um, and so in the past, I would say starting with Christmas things in November, right after Thanksgiving was too early for me. It didn't even fit into the 25 days of Christmas. But for some reason this year, I am banging getting Christmas season started as soon as possible. Whoa, 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 whoa. I want Christmas specials. I want music on the radio. I want to hear all of the cheesiest songs get this Christmas season started. I am in the Christmas spirit. Maybe it's because I watched the most Christmas Christmassy movie I've ever seen, Die Hard. Um, maybe, <laughs> I'm not sure. Bang it, Christmas season 2020, started early. Maybe even let it go long. That's controversial, dude. Um, I love it. I love it. I love the positivity. I'll go quick on this one. I really love full service car washes. I think there should be more of them in this... <laughs> cities you bring your car there you pay an extra what maybe five dollars and they do shit that you never do which is clean the inside of your car they're doing the inside they're they're vacuuming they're fucking wiping things down that you've never touched in years and you get that car and you're like okay that was like 14 dollars. what a bargain i wish i came what's here. your what's your scent you go with when they're like what scent would you like no i don't go to a place that fancy I don't oh know you're not that. a new you're not you don't get the new car scent no, I don't get the sense. I um, that does sound intriguing. But we, I go to the place that's on like Nineteenth and Central. Oh yeah, that place sucks. <laughs> that's my jam. Um, full service car washes. That's the way to go. That's the only. So way real to go. quick, shout out to Mister Car Wash. If you can find a Mister Car Wash, they do exactly what Jimbo's saying. It's like I do it like once a year. It's thirty bucks, and. They give you the full service vacuum. They give you the full service like wipe down of all the dashboards and the inside windows and all that stuff. And then you get to pick your scent. You can do like they have like a uh, Hawaiian breeze. Eric, that one's for you. Uh, new car scent. Uh, what's the uh, like a sort of a Christmas tree, uh, like a pine scent. Like you can do anything you want. Like, yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, so for me, mine's a little bit simpler and maybe dumb. But I love the wheat low-carb tortillas that you can make into – I know, I know. Don't shake your head and, and rub your forehead. We've, we've gotten to a point where 
food science has advanced far enough that you can eat your favorite tortillas more often without feeling guilty. And even Aldi has these, you have these low carb tortillas. So I'm, I'm not saying they're healthy for you, but they're a little bit healthier than just the full fat lard, you know, tortillas that you get like off the press. And so I love making wraps. And so the fact that I can have like a low carb wrap is right in my wheelhouse. Bang it. Low carb tortillas. Look for them at Cub. Look for them at Lunds and Byerly's. Look for them at Aldi. You will not regret it. You can't taste the difference. All right. For anyone, for anyone who didn't shut it off, we have some uh, hangits now. All right. So I'm going to go first because we cannot end on my one. It just can't be. It can't be where we end. Okay. Okay. Hang it is one that, um, I don't know. I saw it the other day and it really bothered me. Okay. And you, people would be like, dang, dude, you're going hard here. Okay. I am hanging the Hollywood U.S. military commercials. Okay. They are just wildly inappropriate. What is it? <laughs> like, like I'm saying Hollywood because of like it was done on like a in like a studio. Oh with, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This commercial was so inappropriate; it was really upsetting to me. It was like join the Marines. It's crazy, and it was like a guy dragging his like injured buddy, and it was like you could be a hero, and it was like he was like pulling his guy up the street while there were like gunshots. Then literally, there's like a bunch of brown people with guns that are dressed like savages. And then we're doing airstrikes and just blowing them up and like celebrating. It was like a Hollywood movie glamorizing, just killing brown people in the Middle East to be a hero. War is terrible and tragic and terrifying. We should not be celebrating taking lives. We should not be glamorizing it. I'm sick of that. I'm not acting like the military is bad. I'm not acting like we shouldn't recruit, um, you know, brave and amazing and smart and talented young men and women to be part of our military. I'm not yeah, saying- the guys that couldn't graduate high school. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I said not to do it last. Um, I'm not trying to make those comments, but I am yeah, saying I, I, dude, I absolutely see what you're saying. What they're doing is they're taking it and they're making it so generic that they're like brown people blow them up. Good hero. Like, can you give me like the event that this happened, that it was a good thing and the details why it was actually a good thing to blow these people up, please? I just kept thinking like they spent a lot of time and money on like some big Hollywood studio in like Utah building a Middle Eastern city to like blow up brown people for like yeah. people's enjoyment to get them to sign up for the military. It was disturbing. It was not okay. Hang it. Hollywood military commercials. Being in your so lunchroom going for the kid with the sleeveless shirt is much more effective than trying to show us how awesome it war is okay. well at least we know that eric hates the military so yeah. we've got that we've got that settled um for me i'm going to go a little bit lighter i'm not going to hate on like um the institution that's been in existence in the longest you know that had, you know uh, fought in the revolutionary war i'm not going to go against them eric um for no i'm kidding for me it's uh Given quarantine, you know, you, 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 you're forced to run errands when you can, right? I want to hang daytime traffic, like daytime drivers. I've been used to driving during rush hour, you know, for the most of, of my adult, like working life. And people drive with a purpose. People understand we all have a place to go. Let's get there as quickly as we can. When you're driving to 
you know, Costco at noon on a Tuesday, it's all fucking minivans. It's all people that don't know where they're going half the time. They're all going slow. They all don't care. They're like, oh, I just, I have, I have no care in the world. I have no rush. I have no reason to get here in any appropriate amount of time. Like, bitch, I'm on my lunch break. Yeah. Let's get this shit going. I got 45 minutes to get there and back, and you're holding me up. So <laughs> I, I'm not, it's, I said it as a, like a, a denigrating the opposite sex. I don't mean it that way because there are plenty of like old men drivers that are out at that time that suck too. Yeah. Um, but I can't, I, I have a very hard time driving during the middle of the day with people that aren't driving with a purpose that are like, Oh, I'm perfectly happy going two miles an hour under the speed limit. Are you a, are you a honker? I'm not a honker, but I'm going to go around you aggressively. Okay. I'll honk if I have to. Um, well, right, I figure I two to... miles under the speed limits, like right, right in your wheelhouse, Jim. So I didn't yeah. figure like you'd have any issues with that. No, I love that. Um, I have the best one. It's time to hang up maybe forever. Local nightly news. Oh. Do you guys have you, when's the last time you watched this? Do you guys know what it's become? Do you guys actually know what it is now? Here's what it is it's the newscasters going through the latest three stories of how boomers can get scammed by shit and what not to do. That's all it is. So they go, Hey, boomers, I know you're the only ones watching. If someone calls you on the phone and says, We need your number for this, this, don't give it to them. Next story. And then they go, People are getting emails now that say this and this. Don't give them your information. Next story. <laughs> it's well, then, and then the next story is the next story is real quick to protect boomers from getting scammed. That's all it is. And then and then it'll what you forgot was like in between those coming up in ten minutes. We're gonna have Dell with the forecast. Might be a little cold this week. Yeah. And then they're like, after all you know, the we have weather on our phones, right? And it's the same weather you use to do your predictions. They have time to fill then. And then they're like, up next, a story about how a local woman from Wasika makes her own salsa. <laughs> that was perfect. And I would actually watch that part if it wasn't for all the boomer warnings that they do. Watch out. Don't click on this. Don't do that. I've been making two types of salsa for the last 40 years the same way. Yeah. I'm like, oh. if you're, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's literally, it's nonstop. At like, I watched it the other day and it was a story after story. And it was like, if you get called to participate in a COVID trial and you have to pay, don't do it. You'll never have to pay if you're in a medical trial, obviously. I mean, it's, it's nonstop. It's protecting boomers from themselves. That's the only audience left they have. I don't know what it's become or what it's going to become, but uh, it ain't for us. The right. local news should be long gone. Yeah. And when when the boomers kick off, and I don't mean any disrespect to any of your parents or, or mine, but they're the only ones watching it, and that's why they run those stories. But, oh, my God, what a complete waste of time. Everything they talk about, I read on Reddit 24 hours before that. Yeah. Seriously. Yep. Anything that actually matters is like, dude, I still think Star Trib does a great job. Like there's, there needs to be local journalists, but all those people are doing on the nightly news is like recycling the news stories that other people, journalists have gotten and formatting it for old people. So how yeah, many times, how many times have your parents like maybe reached out to you 
Eric, yours feel a little bit more progressive, but maybe they watch the the, the nightly news. But they're like, did you hear X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, yeah, Dad, I read about that last week. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, we just saw it on uh, on you know WCCL. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're like way behind the times. They already actually have a solution to that. So. <laughs> Yeah. All right, guys. That is it. That's all the time that we have. We went a little long. Hopefully, you guys don't mind. Um, we will be back with you guys next week. Check out our sports cast where we broke down the Purple's latest win um, and a bunch of other fun subjects. So go check that out. Uh, but until next week, thank you guys for listening to the Minorities Podcast.